Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, welcome to Porch Talk. My name is Isaiah Perkins and this is my song, Samantha. Oh, Samantha, why do you hurt yourself, my heart? Been searching hard for love and coming up empty. And oh, Samantha, you've been working yourself so long, trying to cover those memories up, and your attempts are failing. My friend, please. More than all this, you're worth more than all of your regrets, and you can take on anything. My friend, please know your failure's not the end, and every second before the next makes the next one possible. Oh, please, oh, please, please stop running. I know he hurt you When he took everything you loved When he crushed down on what was a man Did he take everything? I know it hurt you But your beauty's just because So don't go digging yourself this grave When there's still life worth living My friend, please Know you're worth more than all this You're worth more than all of your regrets You can take on anything My friend, please Know your failure's not the end And every second before the next Makes the next one possible Oh, please Oh, please My friend, please In a bad dream Won't make you happy And you need to be happy My friend, please Know you're worth more than all this You're worth more than all of your regrets And you can take on anything My friend, please Know your failure's not the end and every second before the next Makes the next one possible Oh, please Oh, please My friend, please Stop running 
Cause the pain you feel is temporary And despite all this you're meant for great things There we go. Yeah. Yes! That was awesome. That was awesome, dude. We in there, dude. Thank you very much for having me on, Al. Appreciate you. Thank you, brother. All right, to open this show up, welcome you, Porch Talk. Welcome you to the arena, co-hosting with me, none other than Braden Sensing. Tell the good folks hello, man. And we got Isaiah Perkins, as you've just heard. Thank you. Thank you very much. Dude, I want to open up, um, maybe not to get too personal, but it sounds like a personal song. Yeah, dude, I'm an open book. Just don't ask me about my credit card information because I don't know it. Okay, fine. Okay, I'll, I will ask about your Social Security, though. Uh, I'm not an illegal immigrant, I swear. Okay. All right, cool, man. <laughs> uh, a little bit about the song, man. I can tell it um, definitely means a lot to you, and it definitely came from the heart, man. Uh, so I'm guessing you had a friend named uh, Candy. Candy, definitely. Um, so I have a friend. Um, her name's Samantha. I don't know where you would got that from, but maybe the title of the song. I thought it was Candy. It's definitely candy. And uh, <laughs> she's very sweet, but not candy. Um, and she was going through a very tough time. She had went through a divorce. She was trying to find herself. She started running to anything and everything the world had to offer her. And, um, you know, we had become friends during COVID. And one night she called me and was just falling apart. And I have a habit of being very blunt sometimes as people can be. And I pretty much told her what the song was saying is that like, you're worth more than you think you are. You're running and you're fighting the truth and you have to stop Mm. because all you're doing is making yourself miserable. And, um, so after a phone call in a long phone call with her, I kind of got off the phone and, and when I'm in doubt or I'm in pain or I'm happy, whatever, the first thing I do is pick up a guitar. And I kind of just started that uh, line. And because that's how I was feeling. And I, you know, something I want to do is be able to play what I'm feeling. And, and the words just kind of were that conversation. And so I didn't tell her I wrote it. I went and played it at Dave's. We were talking about Dave's earlier. I went and played it at Dave's a few times, and people liked it. So I was like, oh, I'll cut it. And and I sent it to her, and she cried a lot and stuff. And But it's I wanted. I have other friends who feel that way. Man, I, I, there's a lot of people that relate to that, uh, even if it's a dude. Uh, oh, yeah, I feel that way often. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, a lot of times when uh, life just doesn't seem to be going the way it should be, I mean, you will run after anything to get any kind of self-gratification. Oh, dude, it's the human condition to crave happiness, right? Yeah. It's the human condition to everyone knows the world's broken. Now how we deal with it is what makes the difference. Mm-hmm. And so when I wrote Samantha, it's it's kind of a call out, one, to remind myself, and two, to remind the, the listener that, there is hope, but you have to go to the right things mm. because there's happiness out there. There's joy out there. There's peace out there, but you're not going to find it at the bottom of a bottle. You're not going to find it in, in lust or, you know, all these other things that you don't have to be a Christian to know. Cause I, I think we had talked about that a little earlier. You don't have to be a believer in Christ to know that you're not going to be happy 
running to things that make you temporarily happy. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think that's exactly where we are as a culture of, you know, not to just preach, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, Go on, dude. I mean, we, we definitely, uh, and it's, it's been fast paced over the past few years and it's disturbing. And I had a lot of friends, uh, share some, uh, great posts today and they were just talking about just the state of the world and just some of the things that they're seeing. And I didn't comment, but it, it was, it would be my comment, uh, what everything that we're doing now as a society, especially when it comes to the United States, it's a secularization of society. This right. is what happens when you walk away from a holy God yeah. and you start pursuing uh, earthly things. Uh, there's this big thing going on right now with Twitter, and I love Twitter. It's, one, it's my <laughs> favorite app. But a uh, uh, chick named Eliza Blue, and she came out as... Uh, a sex trafficker survivor and now like she wanted to build a platform to help other people escape sex trafficking which is something that I abhor and I'm completely yeah, for against. Sure. I don't I'm not with pornography I'm not with any of that stuff I think it it's brain rot it will rot your brain oh dude there's so many like not just but, from the Christian perspective but science proves it yeah it's it's not good for you I mean it, it ruins your sex drive and that's why we have these blue pills and you can get them at a gas station it's because people can't get it up because they have these twisted fantasies Oh yeah, but of uh, to her point, it's being exposed now that everything that she said she was, she wasn't. Oh man! And now the truth is coming to light, and now a <sighs> lot of people are exposing that, and she is doubling and tripling and quadrupling down. It's like, look, we will forgive you and move past this if you just own it. Just be honest. And yes, maybe you are passionate about sex trafficking, but you do have this roadblock that mm. you you keep trying to die on this hill. And I mean, there's the internet is forever. That's right. And we, we've seen what you did. Like you are not who you said you were, but we can move past that. But I mean, that is just where we are with society. The further that you move away from a holy God, uh, the quicker and more decrepit, uh, the society will become. And I mean, it's literally crept into just every aspect of our lives, whether it's self gratification with social media right, right. or, of uh, I mean, food or like whatever this alcohol, uh, drugs. I mean, anything. I didn't. I didn't think we'd be preaching tonight, but uh, <laughs> hallelujah. Welcome to the porch, man. Yeah, welcome, welcome to, to the porch. porch. <laughs> uh, so, uh, man, Isaiah, where are you from? So I'm originally from Hamilton, Mississippi, but I always tell people I grew up in Hamilton because if anyone in this area knows, there's Hamilton, Alabama, that's about 45 minutes away, and there's Hamilton, Mississippi, that's about 15 minutes away. And my mom lived in Hamilton, Alabama. My dad lived in Hamilton, Mississippi. So I'm from Hamilton's. Perfect. Tons of them. <laughs> I, I've, I've got a few guitar players and musicians that I hang out with in Hamilton, Alabama. And uh, you're not wrong. I remember growing up, I'm from Kennedy, Alabama. I went to South Lamar. Right across the border. That's right across the borderland. Yes, sir. And uh, <laughs> I remember, like, the whole Hamilton or Hamilton thing. It's like, Mississippi or Alabama? I mean, that yeah, always dude, is a thing. All the time. Or my favorite is when I meet people who's not from the South or from Alabama, Mississippi. I'm, just, I'm from Tupelo. Yeah. Just press the easy button. Oh, anytime, anytime we would go on vacation or uh, spring break back when we was in high school, like when people would ask where we were from, it's like, there's no way you ever heard of Kennedy. We're from Tuscaloosa. You yeah, know, where that's they make, it. Where they make national championships. Yeah, roll tight, roll tight. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you get it. It's, but, that's uh, all you got to say. Yeah. Roll time. 
and I don't care anything about football and stuff. I know you do. I've I've listened to your podcast, but we, it's one of those. We talk a little bit about it. We, we dabble. We dabble. But it's um, it's one of those things that it's when in doubt, boys. roll tide it out. Because everyone, it's a universal language that when something's going great, roll tide. Things are going wrong, roll tide. I mean, that was literally a commercial. <laughs> you get pulled over by a state trooper, roll tide. Roll tide. <laughs> you got mom in the hospital, roll tide. Man, growing up in this area, what a time. <laughs> what, a, what a time to be alive. Roll tide. <laughs> I'll even give you a war eagle, okay? Ooh. I'll give you a hell state. I'm not opposed okay. to it. Okay, we can live with that one. But the war eagle... God forgive me, mom forgive me. Oh my lord! My mom, you know, she uh, she a hater. She's a Tide fan till she dies, tied to the die. Oh, so we get along. <laughs> Roll Tide. That's what. That's what's <laughs> funny is like some of those episodes where we did football. Is uh, the guy I would be talking with? He's a diehard Auburn fan, and I like Alabama. Yeah, yeah. And so like the twist on it is, uh, I would only say good things about Auburn, and he would only say good things about Alabama. See, that's perfect. <laughs> um. I didn't. I'm not going to plug my podcast, but we had talked no, about. No, you do it. Well, even though you're on hiatus, I, we're on hiatus, but I, we, I have a podcast as well. Everything that you have, <laughs> plugging it all. Plug my ears after listening to me sing, though. Oh my lord! No. <laughs> so I have a podcast called Our Neck of the Woods, and we had a football episode because all my friends are football crazy people. That's why we did the football episodes. Because there's so many. I mean, it's the South. Yeah. If you don't talk about football at least one dinner of the week, are you really in the South? And so I was like, guys, let's just get one episode out, and we'll just talk about football. And, of course, my contributions were small. But I do appreciate, and this goes back to what we were talking about previously, the the idea of a, a universal language almost of there is a group of people who can all relate to something just like music, and they all have opinions on it just like with music, and at the end of the day, there's one truth, which is Roll Tide. Mm-hmm. But in all that's seriousness, true. that's what I like about football culture is the camaraderie that comes with it. And that's one thing about living in a place where we can say, oh, I'm from Tuscaloosa and people understand regardless what it means. Is because there's that camaraderie that even if people hate Alabama football, they can say, oh, I've heard Tuscaloosa. Right. I mean, and that's exactly whenever I travel. That's the first place I tell them, you know, it's like, oh, you've heard of that. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, you're going to see them on the TV, buddy. It's bigger than the New England Patriots to us. That, no, that's exactly it. And that's what's sure. crazy is, like, as I get older and, like, people move down here, maybe they're from the New England area, and that's one thing that they don't understand. And so, like, this past season, we got to take a friend of ours. He's a Pat fan. We got to take him to Brian Denny. Oh, man. And, uh, he got like, he, fi- he got the full experience of the culture. And he was like – I see what y'all mean. Like, it just means more. Like, I think the SEC Network really nailed that down. It was like, this is exactly what a Pats game is for us. Mm Because I don't give a crap about the NFL. Like, I will watch college, but I don't – like, I mean, we had – this is a Monday night, guys. So, you had the Eagles and the 49ers playing last night. Rest in peace, 49ers after that, right? (laughs) R.I.P. And then the Chiefs and the referees were against uh, some other team that just got destroyed. (laughs) R.I.P. on that. R.I.P. <laughs> but, uh, and so, like, I'm, I'm not really in it. If I didn't watch any. I didn't watch it down. I don't care. Oh, dude, growing but, up, that was just, oh, it's Monday. What are we going to watch? Well, there's football. Or NCIS. <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah, man. So, uh, how did music get involved in your life? You come from a music family? So, growing up, my dad played guitar, and he played in the Little B Church I'm in, and um, I'd watch him play. 
And he was, I thought it was so cool because I knew he was left-handed, but he played a right-handed guitar because he didn't want to spend money on a left-handed guitar. And, and so I'd watch my dad play, and he'd play the cowboy chords, you know, but back when you're a kid, your dad's a superhero at everything. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I want to be able to do that. And so I grew up in that kind of environment. But one night, he was in there watching VH1, and Kiss was playing. And I had never, like, I'd heard it on the radio, of course, but I'd never seen someone take an electric guitar and their tongue be down to, you know, God-forbidden places on their face. And they're shredding away. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but I want to do that. And so I begged. This was in, I was in third grade, and so I begged and begged my dad for an electric guitar because all he had was an acoustic in the house. And I was like, Dad, I want, I want an electric guitar. I want an electric guitar. And he's like, I don't think you'll stick to it. Quit asking. But one day, it's right before my birthday, he checks me out early from school, which my dad didn't do. He worked swing shift at a factory, like getting up in the middle of the day to come get us out of school early when we there was a free bus. Yeah. No, ain't going to happen. So he came pick us up. He open, He had the trunk open on his Buick, and inside of it was an electric guitar. Oh, man. And I thought I'd won the lottery. And so since my dad had obviously went through so much trouble, I was like, i got to learn how to play this thing. Much to the chagrin of my siblings and my family, I sat down and I decided I was going to play it. And as I said, it wasn't always fun for them, but it was great for me. <laughs> and that's what got me into music. Oh, dude, I remember those times. We would be... Uh hold up and uh, I always had the back bedroom uh, right right like parents house grandparents house whatever the case and when my buddies would come over we'd have our guitars and like we're in the back bedroom and I was like I could only imagine what's being said on the <laughs> other exterior end of the house. on the yeah on the <laughs> exterior of the side of that door I was like are they laughing are they <laughs> I was like please stop or, right. you know what's well, going on so my stepbrother because uh, he had moved in with us and he come in one night and he while I'm in there I was trying to play a D chord man I was struggling but I knew it sounded cool when I had a, a lot of overdrive on my little PV practice amp with one eight inch speaker and so I had that thing all the way up and I was p- trying to play my D chord and my stepbrother comes in there and he grabs a guitar and he's like if you don't stop I will make you stop forever and I was like, when I get good, you're going to regret that. And, uh, you know, I was mad at the time. But looking back, it was really funny to me, like, now. Yeah. Because I was bad. I was so bad. But now, sometimes, whenever he does see me, he's like, you still playing that guitar, that get fiddle? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I'm still playing it, despite all the... Matter of fact, it's stuff. made me a couple of dollars. It's made me one or two. Yeah. Three dollars is all I got. Oh, man. You, you <laughs> spot me a dollar. Hey, that's spot your dollar. Hey, that's the blues in it. <laughs> that's the blues. <laughs> oh man, that's great. It's a similar thing, man. Like just growing up like that, and man, is he ever gonna? Is he ever gonna lock it down? Is he ever gonna get it? <laughs> that's you know? right. So, uh, what would life look like as far as like high school? Was you in the sports? Did you play football? Or? So I was that kid who had. You know, I grew up in the Bieber hair era of the two thousands. Oh, man, you had the bangs. I had everything. Well, I grew up in the pop punk slash Bieber hair, so it's like people are listening to either... Emo or Bieber. Emo or Bieber. And my hair fit both styles very well. And so I didn't Playa. do sports. Right. I was a universalist, man. And so my I didn't play football. I didn't. I hated school, and which is ironic because now I'm certified to teach it, but that's neither here nor there. 
crazy I, how that works. It's crazy how it worked out. I, I don't teach now, but we'll probably talk about that later. <coughs> but so high school for me was I went to school. I kind of was there. I went home, played guitar. And that was just about all of high school. I, when I wasn't hanging out with my friends, once I got a car, it was, you know, go to school, do what I had to do, and go home. And I was putting the records on, trying to be. Was you fairly, like, sociable? I mean, yeah, I was. I love people. Yeah. It's just I just didn't want to do school activities because I didn't like school enough. Like, I I was pretty – I wasn't popular or anything, but I made sure that I was friends with every circle, whether you were the quote-unquote loser kids. You know, every school has what people deem less than, which people are terrible. Well, I, was I mean, friends kids with, and teenagers are the worst. Dude, awful. Would never go back. <laughs> And, and, would and never go back. Like those were the those are trying times, man. And like I see right. it now, like whether it be in a church sitting or like in a school sitting, it's like, ah, man, I I didn't realize how god awful we were. Dude, no, <laughs> like me and my friends all the time, we make fun of the. I think a big meme, if you would, is oh, I would the <laughs> is the Call of Duty lobby. Of 2008, oh, yeah. 2009, right? And so we were, me and some friends were talking like, I can't believe, I know I said some of that stuff loud enough where my mom should have jerked me out of my room. <laughs> and it's like, but that was, I mean, that's high school is the way that people talk on there is a lot of way people talk in person. And so I made sure that I was friends with those people. I made sure that I was friends with the kids who, you know, when it came time for us to get vehicles, they had the brand new trucks because live in the South, that's, that's the... You're cool if you have the brand new trucks. I made sure I, I tried to dabble in every bit of social aspect of the social structure of school, but I just didn't want to, other than my immediate friend group, I didn't want to hang around football. I didn't want to play baseball. They, my band director begged me to come join band. I said, do I have to wear a hat? Because if you've ever seen a band hat, they're not very fashionable. No offense to bandies because I support you know high school band. But I told him, I was like, if I have to wear a hat, I, I don't want to be a part of band. I'm out. And uh, he's like, but but you play guitar and you, you play by ear and you can jump in. And I was like, but I'm not going to wear your hat. And so I just went home and played guitar. Man, that was a heck of a hill to die on. <laughs> Man, I, I struggle with stubbornness. And I've gotten a lot better about it. Don't tell my friends that. They'll disagree. But, man, it's so one you're of those still things. wrong. I'm, yeah, I mean, they're wrong. So. <laughs> right. My bad. <laughs> no, definitely sarcasm, guys. Uh, oh, come on. Sometimes. Pray for me. Pray for me. Roll Tide. But, uh, yeah, better. so that was high school, man. It was just, uh, uh, besides the weekends when I got a car, because, of course, I was burning up the roads in, even though it was the first recession around about, so gas was expensive back then, or so we thought. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but, man, I came, went to school, went home, played guitar. Right on, and That dude. was it. And so, uh, what as far as influence, you mentioned Kiss and like your dad in the church setting. But like, as you would begin to find your own way, was there other bands or singer songwriters that you would kind of begin to mold you into the style that you have now? Oh man, so it's funny that I do mention Kiss because I don't listen to Kiss. I never was into Kiss. I just thought it was so cool. You just saw it on TV and thought yeah, it was like, cool. It was cool. I listened to like everyone says they listen to everything. But I happen to have a playlist called Bangaroonie Bebops. And it's a playlist with everything from Mozart to Screamo to rap, whatever. And so my So it's the meme playlist. It's the meme playlist. But man, it's got some bangers. Some Bangaroonie Bebops. 
And so my influence when it comes to music um, is a little bit everywhere, a little bit all over the place from, you know, the jazz of Wes Montgomery to the blues of Steve Ray Vaughan, which I, I would accredit to being the biggest guitar influence I have. But um, the first band that ever made me stop and say, wait, I want to do that, was Switchfoot had come out with Nothing Is Sound and I believe 2005. So I was a young kid. Mm-hmm. And my brother's best friend brought it to my house and left it. And being a kid, I'm like, oh, he left this. I'm going to steal it because it's funny. Because, you know, he'll come back and then we get to play Game Boy. But I put it in the CD player. And the stuff that John Foreman was singing about was some of the first stuff that I'm like, okay, this sounds like the rock stuff that I saw on TV with Kiss. So he's got electric guitars. But he's also, I can, some of the stuff he's singing about I get because the, the tone of his voice, the way that the guitar sounded, it all told the story of what he wanted you to feel. And it made me, as a eight-year-old kid, six-year-old kid, however old I was, mm-hmm. feel that. And I'm a, so... I'm a bigger fan of John Foreman without Switchfoot. Oh, dude. Do you ever dabble with the Seasons records All that it the is? time. Spring, man. summer, fall, and winter? That's what made me want to be a songwriter. Switchfoot yeah. made me want to play music. John I got Foreman to, made dude, me want to be a songwriter. Dude, I got to meet him... Uh, this wasn't that long ago. I was uh, interim youth minister for a while, and we took the kids up to Gatlinburg. And uh, my buddy who helped chaperone, I didn't even look at the list. Like, I was just kind of thrown into it. Right. I didn't know who was going to be there. Are. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was that morning we were getting ready, and my buddy was like, dude, you're going to flip. And I was like, what? And he <laughs> said, John Foreman's going to be there, and there's a Q&A, and you happen to have the pass to get in? To be in there. And I Dude, was like, I should have been in your youth group. What? Oh, it was dope. And nobody in the youth group even liked Switchfoot or knew who John Foreman was. So, what? like, shame on all of you. You're not even allowed to listen to this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to shame you, too, because, man, John Foreman is the... He's one of the C.S. Lewis's of our generation. Oh, preach, dude. Like, as I said, Switchfoot, that first Nothing Is Sound album A made mirror me, is harder to hold, buddy. Gosh. It made me think, wow, I want to play music like that. But then I started, John Foreman's solo stuff made me think, I could be a songwriter because I get what he's trying to say, but the way he does it. Mm -hmm. I I say to my friends all the time, if I want to know there's something that within me needs changing, I'll listen to a John Foreman record. Something that he's written on, whether it's a guest appearance, Mm -hmm. whether it's his own music, whether it's Switchfoot. I know what I'm doing tonight when we get down here. (laughs) Dude, if there's something within me that you needs change... You ever mess with John Foreman, Brady? It's it. I know, uh, Dare You to Move. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, that's Switchfoot. But dude, like, check, like, pull up John You got Foreman's homework shit. tonight, Brady. Yeah, I do have dude. homework. I'm going to have to listen to it. Is that one of the songs on the list? Uh, for today? I don't... No, talk about for the, the band practice. It, I, you know, I'm going to add it. <laughs> no, so John, as I said, man, like, I think... A, and I'll, I'll just say a blanket statement. I think what makes a good song whether it's classical whether it's rap whatever is whatever the composer the writer whatever he is feeling or she is feeling and whatever they're trying to convey whenever you're done listening to what they put out you understood what they were trying to get you to feel they they make you feel something they make you you every time you meet someone you have two things that two outcomes they leave feeling better than they came or they leave feeling worse. Whether it's marginal or not, a good songwriter is going to make you 
feel better about what you're going through or worse than you started. But it, that's what makes a good song. And people like John Foreman, as I said, every time I turn on a song that he's maybe even just his name's on, I leave thinking, oh, I could improve. That's a tough question to pose, man. And you you got there without me even having to ask. Like, what makes a good song? That's, that's a tough place for people to go, especially if, you know, they're writing songs. And so, to me, when you have skin in the game, it's you can actually be critical of another person. Because yeah, yeah. you actually do it. It's like if someone was to come to our open mics and they were being critical of the people sharing their chops, it was like... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Unless you get on that stage, I don't want to hear it. Right. No, that's exactly it. Like, yeah. If you are going to be critical or positive even, but, you know, positive, we tend to let people get a little more leeway. But Mm -hmm. if you're going to be critical of someone, at least be able to be better. Yeah. And, um, but man, that's the thing about songwriting for me. And that's what got me into music. Going back to the original question was, I listened to the way that John could write music. And like, he's not the best singer, if we're honest. He's not the best guitar player, but... The exact he gets his emotion. Across. Yeah, what he what he is feeling, you're gonna feel by the time you're it's done. It's a John Foreman podcast now. Yeah, <laughs> it's just the the JF fan club. <laughs> but Tim has a cooler hair, so we'll give it to him. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> no, John's got pretty cool hair. That's true. That's true. All right, uh, man. Uh, anything else to add or subtract about Switchfoot or John Foreman before we try <laughs> to turn the page? Right before we actually go back to the uh, porch talk with Isaiah Perkins podcast. <laughs> John, if you ever hear this, just know we are simps for you. I, I'm tagging you. I'm tagging you, John. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for uh, inspiring us yeah. to be better musicians, better songwriters, I don't know. better, better, more honest people. Do you remember that time in Gatlinburg? I asked you a question. <laughs> <laughs> I dare you to move. Oh, my God. Oh, I don't want to go back to that because I'm disappointed in those kids again. <laughs> <laughs> That's facts, man. So, so you're more into goats on the roof than hearing John Foreman. We have a problem. <laughs> That's a place where you can ride a bobsled. Oh, man. So I've been through Gatlinburg. Never been to Gatlinburg. We drove through the middle of it. But my youth group was like, well, we got to go to this church conference. And as a kid, I was like, but they, but Gatlinburg. And they're like, we got to go to Branson, too. And I was like, oh, Dolly? No. Youth conference. <sighs> uh, One day. Maybe I'll meet John there. Maybe I should have been like a... Maybe I should have hung with it because, like, I was like a a cool interim youth minister. I took them paintballing. We were doing some. Dude, I would have been we, in your we, youth we, group. We, yeah. We was, yeah. Well, I mean, awesome. we, was, we was having fun. <laughs> That's. But uh, I mean, been in your youth group. Yeah, I, 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 we preached too. But uh. Oh, it, of course. It was a it was a good fifty fifty mix. Well, I mean, people got our plus. It's like anytime someone was like making me upset, I was like, I am scheduling paintballing immediately, and I am gonna be <laughs> on the opposite team of you. No, that's it. I mean, you got to repent after paintball. <laughs> oh yeah. You're going to have a little come to Jesus because you're going to have some whelps. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, let's, let's get back. <laughs> um, other influences, you know, I said Steve Ray Vaughan. I love a lot of blues, a lot of rock stuff. And 
So when it came to guitar playing, as a kid, I was into the hair metal stuff a lot. And then I got into Switchfoot and the pop punk thing. But my stepmom come in one night and said, hey, got this, this DVD for you to watch. I just, one of my friends gave it to me, and it was Steve Ray Vaughan live at Austin City Limit. Oh, my Lord, dude. I have seen that footage. And it was the 83, I believe, and 90, both of those combined. And at first, I'm like, oh, it's blues. Blues is for old men. Blues for old people. And I just kind of put it in, and the very first thing he ripped That's the out, one where he's playing behind his back toward the yeah, end, Yeah, he right? does Texas Flood, and he's just killing it behind his back. That's what made me a believer in the Fender Stratocaster and blues. Yeah, he was a Strat man. Dude, yeah. that, like, I'm telling you, as a kid, I was like, oh, it's just blues. That's old man music. By the time I was done, I, I, repeat, I turned it on, like, I rewind. Shout out whole thing uh, again. Dennis McKay here in town. He gives oh, yeah. guitar lessons, uh, Studio 115A. I took lessons from him when I was, like, actually getting serious. Uh, but he... His, his, you could totally tell that his guy was Stevie because yeah, if it was just Dennis playing and you walked in, it's he, gonna was, be he was playing, a, he was playing an SRV lick, dude. And another guy that's really been influenced me lately is Steve Earle. It's kind of Steve same Earl. Texas thing. Uh, he's got I've a he's it. got a great Austin City Limits. You should check that out. Yeah, dude. There's my and like he's he's <laughs> he's an older cat now, and uh, he could totally still be in the spotlight. But as far as like a songwriter. Oh, he's dude, done. and he he is really playing that role of being like the old head, yeah. To where like he stepped completely out of the spotlight, and he is just backing and helping the younger guys. Like, let me help you carve this song out, and he's like he's playing the role, you know. Dude, that's that's how I think of Vince Gill when it comes to the country stuff. Is he he does a lot of that similar? He's just like he's the old head of the group. Yeah. And, man, those guys, that's something that as I've gotten a little bit older, I'm not old, but as I've gotten a little older, that's something that I've really felt almost a burden to do is to, if I see someone who's where I was 10 years ago, jump in and help them whatever way I can, mm-hmm. and, you know, if they want it. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about uh, guitar teaching earlier, me and Braden were, and how if you want to get good at something, you genuinely want it. Like, you got to be willing to put the work in, but... Someone's gonna be willing to put work in with you too. Yeah. So I taught. Um, I taught for about two or three years. I taught guitar, and it was you could always tell when the student didn't make time to practice. Oh, like yeah. if if you were doing biweekly or weekly, and they come in and be like, "All right, show me what you've been working on," and be like, "You know, this whole lesson's gonna be reteaching you what I did last week because you didn't put the time in." Yeah. Dude. My senior year of high school, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start teaching guitar lessons, make some extra money. It's so frustrating, I, isn't it? I, I did guitar lessons for about three months, like teaching them. And I'm sorry if you took guitar lessons under me. I don't mean to be rude, but you should have put the work in because it frustrated me and I quit. <laughs> I'm sorry if you're listening to this. Yeah, it's a, it's a labor of love, man. And, uh, man, I get it. And, you know, you'll hear every excuse under the sun because it was the same excuses that you were giving yourself, but oh yeah, I, I was a self-taught for three years before I pursued somebody to give me lessons to kind of help me get to that next level, and I never had any issue putting in that work because I, it it meant more to me. Yeah, and so like I guess it's just I kind of forgot that mindset of when you're first getting it in and you got one foot in and you got one foot out, you know. For me, my mom paid for one guitar lesson for me when I first got it. Because I guess she was like my stepbrother and tired of me trying to play D and it just be sounding awful. 
And, and your I, stepbrother, who's like, dude, I will break this guitar dude, or that's your it. hand. <laughs> that's it. So I went into the guitar lesson, and I left, and I'm like, I really just didn't enjoy that. Like, I enjoyed playing guitar, but I didn't enjoy the lesson part. And ever since then, I've, of course, learned from people along the way, but I, I, I never took another organized lesson because stubborn me, yet again, like I was talking about. Oh, I you, just, got, you got past that, remember? But back then, man, back then. You know, I'm perfect now, but, man, when I wasn't perfect. Oh, uh, yeah. Come on. I just, uh, <laughs> I, I, I hated guitar lessons because I hated school. I hated being taught, which is really foolish of me because now I love it. I love being taught now, but, you know, third grade me, that guitar teacher, I remember he was playing uh, Sweet Home Alabama, but he tried to do it differently than I thought it would be. And so I got frustrated. I didn't get mad at him. Like, I was I was a polite kid. I, I guess you could say that. I won an award for it at church camp. But <laughs> I just didn't. I was like, he's learned, He's teaching me that differently than the Internet had taught me, so I need to go do something else and teach myself. Yeah. So, But I put the work in. I tried to. We'll see. Depends on this next song goes, right? After... High school, what would you pursue as far as, like, what was you going to do with your life? Did you have any idea? So I was that kid who really didn't have any idea. I was like, well, I hated school, so I don't want to go to college. But thankfully, the girl I was dating at the time, thank you very much, she's like, you got to go to school. And so I like girls. I'm like, well, if I like her and she told me I got to go to school, I got to go. And so I went to ICC, Roll Tribe, and I ended up loving college. And that's where I learned to love learning. And so I, and my, I still had no idea what I was going to do, but I loved learning at that point because they were just teaching me so many things that I was actually interested in. And one of my advisors there was like, well, you know, you love people. And I was like, yeah, that checks out. And she's like, and you now like learning and you like to tell other people what you learn. Have you ever thought about teaching? I was like, oh, well, yeah, that might be fun and ironic. And so then I went from ICC to the W, got my degree in history, because I love history, big nerd. He was going to be a football coach. Look at I, well, that's one thing. <laughs> that's one thing that I did not end up teaching very long because I didn't want to coach anything because I didn't care enough about the sports, and I didn't want to do the kids yeah. a disservice of trying to teach them something I didn't care about because I'm one of those people who, while you don't have to do everything that you are passionate about like that's not the only thing you should do because there are things that you have to do that you might not be passionate about that's just being an adult right but if i was going to sit there and dig into the youth of the next generation no matter what it is whether it was going to be teaching history which i am very passionate about or football i wanted to make sure that i really really was able to leave them something better and i just didn't feel like i could do that so i never became a uh i never became a coach and ironically enough, I got a degree in history, got my license to teach. I ended up teaching math, which I'm terrible at. How about that? It's the way the world spins, man. Dude, I was the same. Like in high school, I really didn't care anything about school. I, I, I was my senior year. Me and a buddy of mine was just in a race to see who could be the most tardy before we got called down to the principal's office. It's like, <laughs> look, y'all got three more, and you're not walking. And I was like, I'm done, bub. Yep. <laughs> I'm done. I, I'm not going through another year of this. That's, I need no, that out. was me, man. That was me. And so, but, you know, I wasn't going to college either. And my grandmother is like, all your friends are going. You should go. And I was like, eh, okay. <laughs> and it was in college to where I finally, and I'm not saying anything about, about like my elementary or high school teachers. Oh, yeah, they were great. Yeah, they were fine. But my passion for learning was found in community college and I would go on to a university to get a degree. But, um, 
it was like because those professors were passionate about what they were teaching, it made me care. No, that's exactly it. Yeah. And so, like, with history or even English, like, if someone was wanting to tell me about Shakespeare, I mean, because I had an English teacher who was passionate about Shakespeare. I mean, yeah, dude, I would go on the being like some plays and stuff and act in them. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, that's silly. I was making fun of people for doing that years ago. It's great fun. <laughs> it is fun, great. though. It's great. You get to step in the skin of another human being. <laughs> Without it being weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, that's, that's dope. So uh, where are you at today? What are you doing? So I graduated college in the year of our Lord, 2020. And I don't know if anything happened that year other than me graduating. Do y'all no, know of anything? Uh, no, it was pretty normal. But um, <laughs> pretty normal stuff. So I went, like a worldwide kind of thing happened. Maybe a pandemic or something. I don't know. Something. So I graduated from the W in 2020, right in the middle of a pandemic. I went on extended spring break and then got a degree. And I was like, well, I guess I'm still going to teach because you know they still need to learn. And at the time, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is great. But, um, so I, you know, was like, yeah, I'm supposed to teach cause I, that's what I wanted to do. I went and after a lot of time, I got a job working in a school teaching something I wasn't even certified for, but hey, whatever. And I realized that besides the whole teaching, what I wasn't certified for, I, I didn't, I realized that maybe the public education thing wasn't for me. Maybe teaching wasn't for me in that way because I started to learn that I cared way more about what the kids were going through, way more about making sure that the kids were, they knew they were loved by somebody than whether they passed a test. And as awful as it is, a lot of times the education system cares more about the test. I'd say every time. Yeah, I just didn't want to be that guy to say the the open You're welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the porch talk. Yeah, but no, and so I realized that I couldn't do it with good conscience. Not saying that, man. I am the biggest supporter of teachers. My sister teaches. My brother taught school. You know, it's one of those things that I'm glad people can do it. But I didn't feel right going and teaching and having to just cram something that really doesn't matter all that much down these kids' throat when they were going home. And they didn't know if they were going to have a meal the next night or that night. Or they were going home and they were going to be lied to, saying that they didn't matter. And so I made my whole – I was like, I'm only going to do this for a short time. I can't do this anymore. But I'm going to do it with everything I can to let those kids know that that someone cares about them. And uh, even if it's not just me, that there's a creator who loves them. Which, as we know, a lot of times the public education system doesn't like that either. No, they do not. And so I decided then, I began at a time of just, you know, as a believer, I was like, God, what do I do? Because I know I'm supposed to do something and, you know, you, you know, I need to be working. But I was like, God, just give me something. And right in time for me to quit this job in the middle of the pandemic and everything, there was an opening for me to start playing music for a living at my church. And... Um, a bunch of people started coming up and was like, hey, man, can you come play guitar for me in this? Can you come do studio work for this? Can you play this gig? And God's been really good at letting that be my job, just full-time being a musician now. Perfect, dude. Cool. So it's a dream come true to that kid watching Kiss on TV. Yeah, no kidding, man. So uh, I don't get to ask this question a whole awful lot, but do uh, 
the people at the church, do they have any gripes or complaints with you playing in a bar setting? <laughs> Man, the emails are fun to answer. Emails are fun to answer. So there's this idea that many people who are, I like to call church people, have that God is capable of doing anything and everything. But only long, in church. As long as in the setting that I myself am comfortable mm-hmm. in. Now, yep. Yep. whether that is for them, you know, wherever that is for you as an individual, whether you're comfortable, cool. But there's this idea that's been subliminally taught to people that God only works in the comfortable, which if you read the Gospels is 100% not the truth at all. Oh, dude, he was hanging out with the sinners, dude. Mm-hmm. And, and they came to him, but I mean... And something I have to tell my guys and my people, I say guys, not just to be male, but people, all the time is that the difference, just like with songwriting, is, and I was talking with Braden about this a minute ago, actually, how if you are a believer in anything, by the time someone leaves hanging out with you, they're going to know. It's going to, like, if you're strongly passionate, if you believe something that's worth dying for, by the time you end a conversation that's any of depth, or of any depth with someone, by the time you leave, they're going to know what you kind of think about it. And so to answer your question bluntly, I get gripes all the time. But my favorite way to put it is you see those people in that second row fill up that row every Sunday. I met them at Rick's in Sarkville. I met them at so-and-so, so-and-so. While we were in the green room, they asked me a question. I got to answer it. I'll put it this way. One of my best things I love to tell people is I have a friend who he played drums with someone that plays in the country circuit in our area, and he was an atheist, evangelical atheist, if you would. We were in the green room. We're sitting there. I'm eating a burger. He's eating a steak because I remember it plain as day. And he had jokingly asked, well, he had overheard me say that I work at church for my 9 to 5. And he's like, oh, are you going to preach me some Star Wars too? Cause, and I was like, oh, let's talk about Star Wars. And as a result of me being sarcastic with him and being friendly and loving on him. Did you tell him it was based on Buddhism? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> it but is. We, um, the Force. Through is. me taking his comment in jest, what he you know he meant in jest, but also to dig. A couple months later, he uh, texted me and was like, hey, man, that you know, I know that we believed different things, but I want you to know I got saved this week. And oh, wow. Like gave me his whole testimony, and I'll let him tell it because it's great. But he's like, I would never have thought of it had you not been in that green room with me and had you not just been honest with who you are. Not saying that I'm perfect by any stretch. You know, I jokingly have said I was, but, dude, yeah, I need Jesus every single day. But to answer the church gripes, if I'm not living like Christ in the bar, I don't deserve to act like I live like Christ in the church. Because Christ is all-knowing and omniscient. And if I know him, I'm going to know him everywhere I go because that's the kind of God he is. And so that's how I answer the gripes. But, yes, I do get them. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's tough, you know, uh, whether growing up Baptist or uh, Catholic or however you grew up, the way that people portray the bar scene, if you are a professing believer, uh, I mean, they're – whether you have a drink or you don't have a drink, right. whether you cuss or you don't, or, you know, uh, teach their own. And I won't judge anybody any different, but, like, uh, the greatest condemnation comes within inside those four walls. 
Well, and that's why so many people don't want to even open their ears is because people misinterpret the the love of Christ one extreme or the other and they say that oh Jesus is all loving and so I can do whatever I want so it doesn't matter or they say that Jesus must hate me because I, I live like this and when you actually dig into the the truth of the matter you realize that a lot of times the way we view things isn't necessarily the truth and that there's room to grow and that goes back to what we're talking about with John Foreman and uh, songwriting and that's kind of what mm-hmm. the songs I write are about is the the growth and the the idea that just because we were always taught something doesn't mean it's true but man is there hope in the truth yeah man I mean like just and I don't think it's any coincidence that we kind of got on this topic and how it's been leading this conversation but uh, first time we hung out was you came out for the open mic at Munson's. At Munson Brothers, y'all go and, check uh, it out. Yeah, uh, this this Thursday, uh, that'll be. Oh, the month's changing. I'm gonna mess this up. I think the second of February, but <laughs> uh, it's a Thursday. Every two weeks, uh, please come. We got some friends from Tupelo. They're gonna come down for it, so we're gonna have a ball and a biscuit. But and a lot uh, of biscuits. <laughs> with. Samantha, you know, like when I'm hearing those lyrics, it's like uh, it's a very uplifting message, and I can tell that it's it's coming uh, from a place that is principled uh, from the Bible. And you're talk when you talk about self worth, especially when it comes to girls or women, is they put a lot of clout on what other people think, and they give themselves to a lot of dark places when they're vulnerable. Oh, dude. Because, and dudes just take crap, right? Like, you and I, we get to hanging out, we get to becoming friends, and next oh, thing we'll, you know, we'll it's like, day. yeah, we're going to crap on each other, but, like, that's not how girls interact with one another. Oh, no. And, like, you know, like, it's always funny to me, like, when the tomboy or whatever else gets to hang around the guys, and then she thinks she can hang with the guys and do guy talk. The 2008 Cod Lobby. And you, and you make her cry. It's there, man. Mm-hmm. I, I've experienced that, unfortunately, a time or two. Yeah. But that's the thing. And I guess this kind of sums up the conversation that we've been having this whole time. And what do you find your identity in? How do you portray that message? Because what, what you are is going to come out, period. Yeah. Whether it's I'm a blues guitar player. Uh, Braden the other day is like, you listen to a lot of Steve Ray Vaughan. I can tell. I hadn't told him that, but I just yeah. the way I play guitar. Or whether it's a songwriting, you just said that you could tell that it was coming from a place where I've heard the truth. Mm-hmm. And so often, what you get in, you know, you used to be a, you used to be a youth minister. You've heard it, garbage in, garbage out. And yeah. as a kid, we used to oversimplify that. But the truth is, in a world that's always begging to tell you something about yourself and always expecting you to regurgitate it, whatever you feed yourself is going to come out and. The lie that so many women and you know men too, but we were talking about girls. Yeah. The the lies on standards on what is okay with your bodies, the lie on standards on what is okay with your beauty, the the lies of who you are in general. You're going to be told every which thing. And it's it's our job as people to tell them tell people the truth, mm-hmm. whether. You know, if if the room was on fire and you were asleep and I didn't tell you, 
what a terrible, terrible human I am. Yeah. And if you believe the lie that you're not good enough because that's what you hear every single day, and I don't like I don't try my best to uplift you and tell you what what you are legitimately, how wonderful you are, and how you're built with a purpose, how terrible of a human would I be? And so with everything that we've talked about, I think it can be summed up and you gotta be you gotta tell the truth. Yeah, you gotta be honest with yourself and with others. And that's what makes it right. I don't want to get into too much more. I will say this. I want to invite you back on. We are approaching the hour mark, and that's about where I like oh, to put sorry, the pen man. in. No, you're good. We're having a great conversation, but like, I'd like to have you on again, and we'll dive into some other things. But I'd like to uh, give you three more questions, and if Braden has anything, I'd like to open the floor up for him. But uh, question one is uh, what church are you a part of, and uh, if you're comfortable with that. If not, uh, what projects and, you know, where are y'all playing around that? So one of my friends who also works in ministry, he said that most of the time with strangers, it's a good idea not tell them what church you're at because there's so many connotations that come. Perfect. It's just like, Perfect. if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But I'm at one of the Baptist churches here in town, and one of the projects that we have going um, are you talking about as a church or is it uh, musically? You, you, or? It's musically. Like what what you're, you know, busy doing in the bars and where can people find you? Okay. Well, as for the church, I'm currently trying to build a worship team and disciple people there. As far as me, I've got a song out on Spotify, Apple Music, whatever. Samantha, the one I've already played for you guys. So if you like the way I did it then, but you want to hear it better, I got it on anything that you like to listen to music on. And I'm currently recording about an album's worth of music that I want to hopefully have out by the end of this year. And so that's the projects I'm working on. I think if we have time, one of the songs I'm going to play is going to be the next thing I put out. And so you'll hear a little bit of that when I dabble in. Right on, dude. Uh, Braden, you got anything you'd like to ask? Or any I'll go on Spotify like to go? and uh, listen to Isaiah. Music's <laughs> really good. Oh, thanks, yeah. buddy. And shout out to Braden for uh, being so good to let us come into his space and record. Uh, question two, you kind of already plugged it. Uh, as far as the socials to find your music, what you're doing is Spotify, is uh, Instagram, like where can people go to find you? So during COVID, I had to delete Twitter. It just got too political and I was being too unkind. So I don't have Twitter anymore. <laughs> but I have. Oh, that's my spot, baby. Dude, that's Sauce it, it up. <laughs> I used to, but then I decided I can't love people well on the internet. So I have Instagram, Percolator104. That's O-R, not E-R on the end. And um, I guess you can add me on Facebook if you're old enough. Like, I feel like sometimes people are like, that's the old people app now. But I'm on Facebook as well. It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of the dying social media app, in my opinion. But, man, I love it because it's me and all the boomers. We, we tear it up. Ain't it fun? It's great. I have a ball. <laughs> Facebook ball. Marketplace can't be me. So find me on Facebook. Right on. Uh, last question to walk out the door. Uh what was your favorite part of this interview? Man, I love just how honest it was and just how chill it was. I love, and this is something I noticed with your other episodes, is you kind of just let it ebb and flow naturally. And you um, you, you ask great questions. That's my favorite Man, part, is that when you, whenever I quit talking and you I get to ask questions like you're supposed to with your podcast, you ask really good questions because most people don't know what questions to ask. So I appreciate you being... A good host. Man, it's, it's come a long way. Uh, 
we're over 400 deep and I've, I do pride myself on that. I've, I've had some, you know, like Erica Winterstrom of the Heartless Bastards. She's been kind enough to come on the show twice. And she's been on a lot of podcasts, specifically talking about her music. And I don't know if she was just telling me that to be nice, but she's like, I like doing your podcast the most because you actually ask good questions that yeah. haven't been asked a hundred times. Oh, and that's it. You know. That's it. Yeah. My favorite part about Porch Talk, Alan, ask great questions. Boom. All right, dude. Uh, I'm a, let's, let's save yeah, yeah, perfect. the other song for the next time we get together, and I want to get together with you again soon, and let, let's – Let's let's do this again. Yeah, man. Oh. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, dude. I I loved it, man. I feel like uh, I feel like we're brothers now. Dude, if we cut our palms, we could be blood brothers. But let's not do that. Well, That'd be kind of that's grotesque. old school. There. That's bad. That's back. That's back to middle school. I do, I have a degree in history. It's just inspired. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dude, get me off of this thing. Get me quit asking <laughs> dumb things and saying dumb things, man. Thank you so oh, much, Alan. Isaiah. Thank you so much, dude. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.